1: The history of the Lincoln Project is one of the most fascinating in contemporary politics. A super PAC founded by high profile Republican strategists who opposed then President Donald Trump, the group set out to peel away Republican voters and deny Trump a second term in 2020. Their efforts put them at odds with Trump and his followers and endeared them to the resistance movements in both the Republican and Democratic parties. They went all in for Joe Biden and their candidate won. But beneath the surface, there were growing resentments among the principals of The Lincoln Project, as well as a burgeoning sexual harassment scandal. Filmmakers Kareem Amer and Fisher Stevens chronicled The Lincoln Project in its 2020 heyday and its aftermath. And their five-part series on Showtime, The Lincoln Project, packs a big wallop for political junkies, historians, and everyone who just loves a good story. Kareem, Fisher, welcome to Political Theater.
0: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let, let's just start, you know, kind of at the beginning, how, how did this project come up? I mean, both of you have, uh, these, these really great, interesting portfolios and careers. What, what brought you, the two of you together for, for the Lincoln project, uh, and, and how did you approach them or, or how did they approach you?
0: I, I think Kareem and I, um, Well, we've known each other. Uh, I met Kareem in Tahrir Square in 2011 when he was uh, producing a film called *The Square*, and uh, I was trying to help them out with camera equipment and stuff. And uh, we—I just was immediately taken with him and and what him and his uh, at that time uh, partner Jahan were doing, um, and and they were um, making something special. And when this 20, well, when COVID hit, obviously, I think we were all pretty. Uh, freaked out about what was going to happen to the world, and our president was denying it and being a, the fucking douchebag that he always has been, um, and not doing anything. And I'd lost some friends and Kareem, had known people, and we uh, both were. I, I, I saw this ad, "Morning in America," and was blown away, and um, I, I just was. F- Realized that the guys that made this are the guys that I had been fighting my whole political active life, um, who have been supporting candidates that I completely disagreed with, and now they're on my side. I was very taken with them, and um, Kareem and I both wanted to somehow figure out a way to to record this moment in history, this 2020 election. And I, I we, we, uh, you know, we've always been kind of how we work together. What can we do? And and because this seemed to be a perfect thing to bring us together. We had uh, both had the idea of uh, what, maybe we could chronicle these guys. We had heard through a mutual friend that they were looking to um, have a film crew film them uh, when they all came together in Park City for the final final run of the campaign. And we kind of lobbied them to let us do it. And apparently there were a bunch of other film crews that also wanted to do it. And for whatever reason, they chose uh, Kareem and I, who are you know, obviously very different politically than they are, but yet they let us into their world. And, and that's sort of, I guess, how it, it all came about.
2: Yeah. We, you know, it was like, um, I think for me, it was, um, as you mentioned, we, 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 we spoke last with the great hack. I'd been very interested in, um, you know, political technology stories in general and, uh, and, and the great hack we started, you know, we started making that after Trump was elected and, um, and, and this was an opportunity to kind of record a moment of American history through a campaign in real time. And I thought that would be very interesting to kind of look at where things were going. And, and also I think we just felt this urgency beyond just being filmmakers. Like, you know, I'm Muslim American immigrant. Fisher has been, you know, fighting po- politics all his, all his life. And it was peak COVID. And the idea that, America wasn't going to course correct after 2016 and that Trump could kind of come back in again was just crazy. Um, and for me personally, having seen Brittany Kaiser and the Great Hack have this kind of like redemption story and having a kind of like, you know, moral complexity, you could say, uh, it was familiar territory. Like I didn't feel intimidated by the fact that they were once one thing, and we're going to be something else. It all felt kind of uh, interesting, but um, to Fisher's point, I think we were both taken aback by how, um, you know, like w- these guys are completely different the, in, in politics to us. You know, I mean, these guys are, are are yes, they're not Trumpers, but they're, you know, for them, the good old days were the Cheney days, and, and that wasn't exactly uh, my political <laughs> identity. <laughs>
1: There, there's actually there's this great I think this is in episode one where you, you you know you kind of go through some of their uh their influences and also the candidates that they've uh, worked with and there's a button. Uh, that is a Reagan Bush uh, button that says "Let's Make America Great Again," and it's this chilling moment, you know, because it it, it feeds into a, particularly Stuart Stevens, who was Mitt Romney's guy in the twenty twelve general election, uh, but has been in politics forever. He, he he's the one who seems to struggle with his past the most, uh, yeah. and is also among the most articulate in 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 voicing this that they helped create. The modern republican party with their tactics and now they're 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 looking to try to you know sort of go into and and beat back the waves uh that that, that they started and and i this this is such a a complex it, it, the the characters you could not have scripted them any more complicated uh with with what they're doing with what with what they're grappling with and also with what they're what they're doing because you know, as Steven says towards the end, you know, the, the, it's almost the very last shot of the of the series. You know, we're not noble people, but the cause is noble. And mm-hmm. it's just that seems like this, you know, this thing that we we still we still struggle with in stories all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. they I, I was also shocked, to be honest, to find how liberal they were socially, um, actually, uh, most of them very liberal socially. But for sure, they did help create this this monster um and uh we 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 were we i think we were also just taken with you know kareem and i take years to make films and they were churning out content so quickly and so interestingly and it was really interesting to watch that i thought that was another really great uh moment for us was when they let us watch them make the sausage make the films the commercials and how their minds work, you know. Um, so, uh, and and the fact that they had no no one to answer to, right? They didn't have a candidate, um, and, and America- they
2: felt the stakes. They felt the stake. Like you could feel the stakes of the like in a way. Like you know, of course,
0: for people like
2: Fisher and I who are on the same have this kind of same political uh, uniform, right? We felt the outrage, right. But for them, it was different. It was like, one, on the one side, there was this, you know, there was this anger that they felt towards a lot of people in the party, right? Because it was kind of like, wait, are you kidding me? Like, you know, are you kidding me? Uh, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham and all these, it's like, you know better. You know, it's a kind of like, okay, we understand the charade of political theater, but at one point, at what point does, does the charade become the reality? Right? And I think they were, so they were kind of shocked. And then also they had premonition like they were ahead of the curve like they you see in that clip in in the film like they're talking about january 6 before anybody else you know like they knew they they knew how bad it was going to get in a way that i don't think we fully grasp like i think because they've been in the party they're like they're like you don't you don't understand how bad this is it like this is not a normal election this is a battle for the soul of the country and it's now or never and if we lose this we don't know where to go and and they had put everything on the line remember like they, they couldn't go back to being republican political stri- operatives right. i think stewart because he's the oldest kind of was the most unfiltered right and he had the most also to be remorseful about you could argue right um but they were they put it all on the line and and, and that always makes for compelling characters in, in a movie in the style that fisher and i subscribe to of documentary filmmaking
1: how how soon was it before you started to see some of the the, the cracks among them? I mean, you know, we there's the there's the uh, New Yorker profile that comes out where that that doesn't mention you know Mike Madrid and he gets super pissed about about that. Um, there's you know there, there's this great moment where Jennifer Horn and Madrid are talking and she says like, oh, I didn't realize there was a camera there when they're talking about their their issues uh, with you know the the big four, if you will, uh, you know uh, Galen, Schmidt, Stevens, and, and Wilson. And how how soon when you, before you got involved did you start to see some of that sort of dissension in the ranks among the those principals?
0: I think you saw the moment. The first moment was that New Yorker, which we had no idea. Um, but that kind of washed over. And then it it was when the Axios article broke. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks before election day, where we noticed a definite a polarization in the in inside of the organization. And but we, we really didn't know it to what extent. Um, but that that is when the beginning started to. That's when we really said, "Oh wow, this thing could." These guys are going to have to really deal and communicate like they need to talk to each other. Um, and I think the big mistake was that there wasn't that, you know, wasn't enough communication between the members. And as, as Steve Schmidt says in episode five, you know, the title of founder was just a title and certain people who were, had the title of founder had one idea of what that meant and certain people had another idea and it never kind of, they never were on the same track and that's really where it where they went off the tracks was that and then so and then you know with with the john weaver part of it all that that happened later and and Kareem and I found out you know pretty late in the game um so we we kind of were watching it all unfold as almost as the public found out in the papers we were finding out
2: yeah and i think also you know there were definitely cracks. Uh, but remember, like this was a banner. Like they, they threw up this thing called the Lincoln Project. It started with an op-ed, it grew then it became a town hall, then they raised some money, and then it just kept growing. And and then it became a banner for all these different people to come join who have who came from completely different walks of life. We try to show that mm-hmm. in the first two episodes, really. That, you know, you have all these liberal kids who are you know, uh, very bright, uh, could be working anywhere on any campaign or in any industry who are political, uh, who are full of kind of political zest and and hope for America. And they feel like this is the best place for me to be not only, you know, working this campaign, but getting to really be a part of something. You know what I mean? Like I think the difference in joining the Lincoln Project versus joining the Biden campaign, for example, would be like, because we had people who had worked on both. uh, And it was like the Lincoln Project, you had girls, women like Kate, who started as an intern, and all of a sudden she's cutting ads, you know, fresh out of film school that are being seen by millions of people, right? Like she's ahead of most of her peers at film school. Like she's getting to do stuff. So if you could because it was a fight, if you had skills, you could quickly be, rise to top. You have a guy like Keith Edwards, all of a sudden running, you know, the fastest growing David. Twitter handle, and is you know is literally, you know, trending on Twitter every other day. Like, what other comms position would he have such power? So, in a way, despite there being uh, and Keith's you know, a gay a gay guy from Michigan who lives in New York City, right? <laughs> like, he's not exactly what you think to be the guy running the Twitter handle, but. It was like because there was this mission that was greater than all of them, which was defeat tyranny, defeat Trump. People put their differences aside, you know, um, and that's why I think. But I think I think the differences become much sh- uh, sharper as a the attention and credit becomes bigger and bigger, and the egos get bigger. And two, as the as as the as the you know you see it like after Trump loses then the knives come out, you know, it's like, it's like a Western, like they, they start fighting for the, for the, for the score in a way. Um,
1: it was there a point where they started pulling back and not wanting to share as much, because I, I, you know, you, you mentioned like after the election, you know, and after the, you know, after Biden is declared the winners, we had to wait a couple of days, you know, it, it really kicks into high gear, you know, the, and then when the Weaver stuff comes out, uh, about, you know, sexually harassing, even some of the people in, in your film, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the people in, in that you, that you talked to in the film and and has a prominent role, uh, was there a point where they, they tried to push back and say like, you know what, we're done. Or were they still, you know, willing to, to meet with you to, to sort of like keep, keep the story going because it couldn't have been comfortable as as they had all this scrutiny.
0: There, There was definitely a pause, and then they, then for sure there was a moment where we weren't filming, but then they, you know, we said, guys, this, we we have to tell the whole story. And then they, they, they did let us back in as you see. So, um, yeah.
1: Madrid even has like a quote on this when the New Yorker profile comes out, he says like, you have to tell your story or somebody else will tell you, tell it for you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're, yeah, (laughs) they are good like that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, for sure. Uh, we needed. You know, we we needed to know like certain things, and uh, you know, but uh, the, the Connor was uh, sexually harassed by Weaver, but I or I wouldn't say sex, on an email, but that was way before he was with the Lincoln Project. Just to clarify, that okay. wasn't yeah. it wasn't while he was working there.
2: Yeah, like we we never we never interacted with anybody who um, like no none of the people that we filmed in Utah or around had any, uh, sexual, um, misconduct reports. So we never were privy to any of that stuff. Um, and what we,
0: and what we filmed. And Weaver was obviously not there. He had a heart attack and he was not there. So we never, we, to this day, we've never met John Weaver. Yeah, there,
1: there is, yeah, there's, there's a moment in, in the fifth episode where Sarah, uh, Lenny, the, you know, says like they're, you know, she wonders about all these interns that were coming, whether they, you know, whether there was some connection to Weaver. So I just, you know, like that, that, that
0: storyline is, is what well, we, yeah, we happen. realized she'd said that to us before we knew anything. So that, that was interesting. And we found that it was like, oh, okay. You know,
1: and do you think that some of this story too is, I mean, this isn't, Nobody likes to really delve too much, you know, too closely into sometimes how the quote unquote, how the sausage is made or how, you know, sometimes a a noble cause as Stevens describes, it is uh, sometimes tainted by uh, not, not noble people or not noble methods. Um, But, but it seems like this is their ending thesis, right? Is that you, you may, again, like Steven says, you may not like us, you may not like our methods, but this, if you think this is an existential fight, you know, we, we can be utilized for this. And it just, it's almost like a, the the type of questions you get into in like a spy novel or, or Shakespeare even, you know, where, you know, sometimes very bad people, uh, and I'm not accusing the Linga project people of being bad per se, but like sometimes you get results that you want from perhaps not the most comfortable sources.
0: Yeah. I, I think the reason of their. Part of their success for me and why I loved them so much was they were cathartic for me. They were expressing how I felt um, and not afraid of it. And they had no, you know, Rick is, you know, Rick is unabashedly. He's just Rick. He's just like, this is who I am. He takes responsibility in a different way. And um, I, I I, think they're very effective in that sense. And sure, I'd say the biggest difference between what they're doing now versus what they used to do is they used to kind of fabricate shit in their ads. You know, the, the Reverend Wright ad, the Max Cleland ad, they fabricated shit. What they're doing now is telling the truth and telling it very, very boldly. And you know, they're just telling everything they do now is real. Like they don't lie in these ads. They're real. And, and, and I think it's refreshing. And I think maybe even for them, it's like, fuck, we don't have to lie or we can just tell it like it is and be honest and make great content. Um, but we do need them. I, I think right now, especially, I mean, gosh, think about what's gonna happen if the Republicans take over the house. They don't care about America. They just care about revenge. And that's gonna get ugly. And these guys are gonna keep fighting them and we need them to fight.
1: There were a couple of moments, particularly towards the end of, of the series uh, and um, where, you know, getting into the just that the kind of the fight, particularly between Schmidt and, and Horn and and when her uh, her direct messages and emails were publicized. Um, and, and just also caveat the one of those reporters, Amanda Becker, is a you know former colleague here at Roll Call with me. And she's a she's a good friend how ugly did some of those discussions get like behind the scenes because there was i mean the you 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 all mention it but it 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 was for for a lot of people in the press they yeah. were they were thinking like wow this is a really ugly you know side of of this group
2: look i i think i mean amanda i think definitely had the most access from what i understood we um we because the style of our film was um just very character focused. Like we never interview experts or any other additional voices or journalists. So we that's why we didn't film with her. Um, but we 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 should catch up with her at some point and compare notes. Um, I think Amanda. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I think it, it did get very. You know, look. I think what, what we saw is these guys are are used to fighting. You know, they 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 fight hard and they and they play to win and they operate in a in a, in a, in a, in a, reality where there is no second place. And I think that when that attitude starts to turn beyond the uh, auspices of winning an election, but towards kind of management decisions or internal fighting, it can be really, it can be really problematic and dangerous because I think they all go to the worst possible scenario. You know, like I found myself in conversations where some people were, imagining things that i found to be very unlikely to happen from their you know former colleagues and i was like this is really you know like you really think they'd do this or that um so but i think they're just wired to think what's the worst thing that could happen to my candidate right what's the worst thing we could be up against and when it's and they're not used to most of them are not except for maybe steve schmidt they weren't used to being the celebrity you know they're used to being the kingmaker behind the behind the scenes not the person who's in the limelight so this was also a new chapter for a lot of them becoming these kind of twitter these twitter personalities
0: yeah they they started yeah we we witnessed them getting their you know get feeling their 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 egos feeling their power feeling their strength you know they're not like like kareem said i mean schmidt's the only one that people really you know they knew rick too rick was in the public a little bit but not to this extent certainly and you know certainly no one knew who jennifer horn or mike you know, Iran really were, and and yet people were starting to know who everyone was. or Reed, you know, they didn't know Reed Galen, and and Stewart wanted to make sure you didn't know who he was over the years. You know. <laughs> um, but but they, uh, for not all of them, but some of them just started to feel that, and and there was a, a whole entitlement issue, and and I think, listen, I was shocked at the lack of communication that was going on during it. You know, and it's not our place to say we're just filming. But if I was, you know, had I not been filming and I was just like there as a observer, I would have said, hey, Reed, you got we got you guys got to just sit down and have a have it out early and just talk everything out. But the other issue was that they were fighting the campaign and they were busy and they were being, you know, on MSNBC and they were doing their LPTV and they were tweeting and they were I mean, they, they were you see it in the show. They become it's like nonstop until it isn't until after the campaign. And then, you know, and the irony is, who who would have thought that were, you know, 139 members of Congress or 500 plus Republican candidates are still denying that Joe Biden is the president uh, coming into the midterms. And and it's like, it's mind-blowing yeah. after all this.
2: I, mean, I think that's the big part. It's like, you know, their mission was to defeat Trump and Trumpism. And they... Were people who saw that the virus that infected the party they had devoted their adult careers to was unfortunately not going to go away with just the, the 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 slaying of Trump, and that that this virus had infected the entire apparatus of the party, and that what we may come next is worse, right? Uh, and I think that's why, for us, we also, as much as we try to make the film. Be about them. It's also about what they mean for democracy and for America and where we go. You know, and, and for Fisher Night, that was a, a a choice we made. You know, we had a lot of additional footage. We we could have we could have expanded the soap opera of the whole fight. You know, and it's and, and it makes for great television, I'll tell you. But what does that leave us with? You know, more infighting and more depressing revelations about you know the, how the political sausage is made. Is that what you put
0: out at a time when? No, we, you know, yeah, we want crazy. people to be, yeah, rev, we want to rev people up to vote and to get out there and, and, and know that th- this party that they help build could be the party that end, that brings down democracy in America. And and right now, that's where we're headed, unless people give a shit and go out there. And, and I, I have to say, at the end of the day, these guys, I would say they all do give a shit. It's just they could have, uh, you know, it could have been handled a little bit better, better inside, but they do care.
1: Well, I, I, did, I did say timing is impeccable on this, you know, in in the round people are already voting, of course, in early voting. Um, and the stakes do feel, you know, about as high, if not higher than in 2020, you know, because now it is more than just about one person, as, as you mentioned. Um, and I, just from a you know perspective of somebody who does this for a living, I mean, this is the type of series that people should should revisit to see, say how a super PAC works and what the issues were. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it is quite a watch. Um, it's, it's, it goes beyond just, uh, you know, any kind of standard, uh, political documentary. So hat, hats off to you gentlemen. I know that I respect your time and, uh, I, you know, again, this is on Showtime five part series and it's, uh, it, it's quite a viewing. So, uh, good, good luck on it. And, uh, we'll buckle up for the rest of the midterm season here. No,
2: thank you, Jason. We really appreciate that. And you, 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 you made a good point. Like we, Fisher and I also wanted to use this character story to kind of person to, to, to personalize and personify the, this, this ambiguous super PAC world, which is such a fundamental aspect of American uh, power, especially in a, in a post, um, Citizens United world that we live in, and and we just we don't really get insight into what a super pack is. We all know what it is, but we've never we thought, but by, you know, by design, right? <laughs> but yeah, but it's like for us, we both love the war room, and we love lots of political film. We're like you know, this could be that of a super pack and really allow people to get you know just the, the feeling of what it's like to to live through these things, you know. And and it is a feeling of it is a, it is a mechanism, an instrument of power that does not exist in any other kind of you know, liberal democracy, and it is, and it is an instrument that, in this case, you get to see not only its prowess but its capacity to be effective, and then, you know, quite damaging to the people who are in it, right? And that's, I think, something we have to kind of just think about. Um, you know, what the implications of that are as we
0: continue to go into these elect- multi-billion-dollar election cycles, right? So, and the Supreme Court is going to make sure that. The billionaires can continue to give and 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 shape democracy, and you won't know their names, and it'll all be secret and dark. And uh, anyway, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> fade, fade to black um, <laughs> on that. Exactly. Well.
1: Well, again, th- thank you so much for for talking about uh, the 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 series. It's it's quite uh it, it, it's quite a viewing, and uh, and I, I gotta wish you all luck and and thank you very much. You
0: too. Thank let's you. hope let's hope it goes well. Uh, midterms November seventh. Everybody vote. Everybody Bye. Vote.